Good morning. Today is Monday, April 4th, first, uh, first uh, call in the uh, second quarter, second trading day of the second quarter of 2022. Friday, we saw a, a turnaround after uh, weakness throughout the day as the uh, first day of the quarter got underway. I want to start this morning by uh, welcoming on board uh, new, uh, some new uh, associates, a uh, new team. Uh, one of our clear-through relationships, uh, Pfluger Bearwald, has uh, officially uh, joined Herald and Lantern. And a uh, warm welcome to Joe Ruby, Sabrina Stewart, and Joe Plyman. Uh, we very much look forward to working with uh, with each of them. So this morning, I'm uh, going to start out with uh, some uh, some comments and thoughts from uh, James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits. Mentioned him a few times in the past. Then we're going to talk about what's going on this morning in the financial markets, uh, Barrons, and then uh, hand things over to Brad to uh, give us some uh, insights into the bond market, which, as we all know, is uh, increasingly uh, having an uh, impact on the stock markets and the currency markets as uh, yields climb higher and uh, as inflation expectations uh, continue to ratchet up. So from James Clear, thinking about you know what we, what we do in our careers every day, uh, thought from him on delivering a good product. Good marketing can sell once, but only a good product can sell twice. In the long run, your performance reverts to the value that you provide. And a thought on how we live our life and what happens when we pass into adulthood, wherever that uh, that gray line gets crossed. Uh, physician Chris Ballas, um, who's uh, better known under his pen name, the last psychiatrist, on the goal of adulthood. The goal of adulthood is to let go of the other possible existences and to make the best of the one. A successful adult is the one who understands that it doesn't matter which life you ultimately pick, only that you live it well. And on getting things done and structuring our day so that we can accomplish more, James Clear talks about the fact that the motivation comes and goes. Some days we, we feel like taking on the world and other days, uh, we're not as, uh, not as full of uh, energy. So if you want to do something consistently, then don't pick a level of difficulty that requires a lot of motivation in order to get it done. If you want to get something done consistently, make it easy enough and simple enough that you'll do it even when you don't feel motivated. So try and adopt that when you think about uh, best practices on how to, uh, how, to, how, to, how to set things up uh, in your life, either personally or professionally. So backing up this morning and uh, getting us started here on this uh, April 4th, S&P futures are trading about 11 points uh, over fair value, or about two-tenths of 1%. As the market continues to weather a host of growth-related concerns, some of those concerns include the prolonged Russia-Ukraine situation, the COVID lockdowns in China, the potential for a Fed policy mistake, the 2s-10 spread inversion. Uh, we'll talk about that some more in Barron's. That got a lot of attention uh, last week and concerns that that may uh, precede a recession, supply chain disruptions, and an inflationary environment that includes $100 per barrel oil prices. Oil this morning is up a dollar two uh, to just over $100 per barrel. Um, in corporate news, Twitter, TWTR, is up uh, nine and a half points or 24% after uh, Elon Musk disclosed a 9.2% stake in the company. Uh, Elon Musk purchased almost $3 billion in Twitter stock. Uh, talking about Elon Musk, Tesla this morning is up about 
five uh, points after reporting that uh, over 310,000 vehicle deliveries in the first quarter. Um, electric vehicle maker NEO, uh, based in China, also up this morning after reporting uh, better than expected uh, deliveries on their electric vehicles. Uh, Starbucks, SBUX, is uh, down about two and a half points after suspending its share buyback program. This is one of the first actions taken by Howard Schultz as he has uh, reassumed the CEO position. Um, he made commentary that uh, Starbucks has a lot of challenges ahead, uh, including uh, inflationary pressures uh, from uh, from wages and from supply costs and the challenges of passing those costs those costs on to uh, Starbucks uh, clients, uh, many of which uh, are uh, us if you're a, a coffee drinker. Treasury market, little change, although the 30-year has risen four basis points to 246. The 30-year dropped 18 basis points last week. The two-year yield is unchanged to 243, and the 10-year is up one basis point to 239. Uh, so you can see that inversion has, uh, has held this morning. U.S. dollar index is up three-tenths of one percent. The dollar has been on a tear. Um, it's up to uh, the dollar index is up to 98.88, up almost 3% in the last couple of weeks um, as the dollar is strengthened in a rush to uh, safety at the same time that U.S. is raising interest rates more aggressively than a lot of the rest of the developing world. Uh, J.P. Morgan in the news um, down about a point after CEO Jamie Dimon warned that this, the bank could lose about $1 billion over time as a result of direct exposure to Russia. He also uh, commented that he feels that the Federal Reserve could raise interest rates uh, even more than what the uh, markets are anticipating. Overseas in uh, Asia-Pacific markets are generally higher, 2% gain in Hong Kong, Japan up three-tenths of 1%. Uh, Chinese markets closed uh, until Wednesday for a holiday. Korea was up about uh, 2%. Uh, some of that strength attributed to reports uh, in, in coming out of Hong Kong that uh, regulators are set to provide U.S. regulators with more access to audit reports uh, from Chinese companies. Um, European markets uh, mirroring uh, what the open here in the U.S. is uh, looking like, uh, relatively uh, flat um, markets uh, overseas. Uh, gold is up about $6 this morning. Silver up 23 cents, almost 1%. Um, mentioned that uh, oil up uh, slightly this morning. In, uh, in news uh, outside of uh, direct exposure to financial markets, but nonetheless uh, impacting us, um, our reports from the New York Times that Russian troops appear to be withdrawing from areas around Kiev, but attacks in other areas uh, continue. Uh, Western officials caution that Russian uh, movements away from Kiev could just be repositioning for new attacks. Uh, White House chief of staff said Russia's invasion of Ukraine is far from uh, over. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin came out and said he is against the SEC rule on climate change. Um, and uh, Bloomberg is reporting that Iran believes the nuclear deal is getting close. Moving on to uh, what we have uh, to look forward to for the rest of this week. Um, we have some economic uh, reports and some uh, companies uh, with some uh, potentially market-moving news. Uh, the Census Bureau reports of new factory orders for February comes out uh, today. Um, that is expected to show an increase of half of 1%. Tomorrow, we get the Institute for Supply Management releasing its IS, uh, ISM, uh, which is the Institute's uh, Purchasing Managers Index. Um, that number is expected to come in at 58, about a point and a half higher than the previous month. Um, also tomorrow, Merck is holding an investor day in conjunction with the American College of Cardiology's uh, 71st Annual 
Scientific Session and Expo. Tomorrow, the Central Bank of Australia announces its policy decision on interest rates, and they are expected to keep rates unchanged at one-tenth of one percent. That is the same level it has been in Australia since November of 2010. Um, also, tomorrow we get reports on light vehicle sales, which are expected to show uh, 13.9 million vehicles sold annually, which would be a big improvement over the second half of last year as supply chain uh, issues have hopefully improved. Wednesday, Costco reports sales for March, and uh, on Wednesday, uh, markets will be carefully uh, parsing through the uh, Federal Open Market Committee, which releases its minutes from its mid-March monetary policy meeting. Uh, the FOMC raised the Fed funds rate a quarter of a point at that meeting from quarter percent to half a percent, and uh, there'll be lots of uh, parsing that data to see uh, what the governors think going forward. Moving on to uh, Barron's. Um, Barron's talked about uh, how the market has so far uh, dodged an inflation-induced disaster. Uh, the stock market's greatest fear with uh, respect to inflation uh, rearing its uh, head and uh, then some is coming true. Um, but major indices uh, are showing to be resilient, and last week was no exception. Uh, Dow is up one-tenth of one percent. The S&P was up one-tenth of one percent, and the NASDAQ was up seven-tenths of one percent. Uh, those results are impressive given the uh, stream of data that suggests that U.S. has a major inflation problem. Wages are up 5.6 percent uh, year over year. And last week, the Core Personal Consumer Expenditure Index, the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure, rose 5.4%. Um, markets responded by pricing in ever larger rate increases. Um, markets are now pricing in a 100% chance of a hike at the uh, at the May meeting and a 71% chance that that hike will be 50 basis points at the next meeting and a 70% chance the market is uh, pricing in that rates will be somewhere between 25 and 27 percent by year end, which means that the Fed's going to be uh, very active if uh, those expectations um, were to come to fruition. Um, Barron saying the stock markets uh, still could manage to stay afloat over the rest of the year. Uh, the market has stayed strong as long as real yields are negative, um, which uh, which they currently still remain well into the negative territory on the real yields. Um, negative real rates um, may also promote there is a no alternative approach to equities. Um, positive real rates could bring the buy-the-dips mentality to an end. Um, Barron suggests taking a look at the small cap stocks, which have dropped 5% in 2022, underperforming the S&P 500. Uh, small cap uh, S&P 600 index is trading at just 13 and a half times forward earnings estimates, and those companies in that index are expected to grow earnings at 11.7%, faster than the forecasted growth of the S&P 500, um, which is forecast to uh, rise at 9.4%. And those uh, stocks in the S&P 500 are trading nearly 20 times forward earnings. Um, and uh, those uh, those small cap stocks having much more uh, domestic exposure uh, than the overseas S&P 500. Uh, Barron's also uh, had two articles. Uh, one, um, which I would say uh, talking about uh, interest rates was, uh, was a uh, half full scenario or, uh, you know, uh, negative uh, thought process. The other um, would be um, uh, the half full is the positive scenario, and then the other being the half uh, empty or the uh, negative scenario. Um, so one of which on the uh, positive side, um, talking about the inverted yield curve, saying that it could be a bogus recession warning. Um, 
Barron saying that uh, markets may be looking at the, the wrong curve when they experience concerns about an inverted yield curve. Um, the most widely watched version of, uh, of the curve in terms of inversion focuses on the uh, twos versus the tens, um, which uh, remain inverted by about four basis points this morning, reflecting a market the change in expectations of Federal Reserve policy. Historically, inversions of the 2 to 10 yield spread have been associated with recessions. Uh, five out of the past six recessions did have a uh, inverted uh, inverted yield curve, um, although there have been uh, eight out of the last 11 times there was an inverted yield curve um, um, is uh, is is when there uh, has been a uh, has been a recession. So three times we got an inverted yield curve. We didn't get a recession, but those aren't great numbers. Um, but Barron suggests that when you have uh, what we just talked about, the negative real yields, um, that the curve to really focus on is the three-month uh, to 10-year spread. Um, and right now, that curve remains uh, very steep, um, with the three-month uh, yield uh, still uh, trading well below 1%, and the 10s uh, up at about 2.4%. Uh, um, so Barron's is suggesting when you've got these negative real yields, uh, you may be looking at the uh, wrong inversion and uh, focusing on something that uh, may not be as uh, as significant. On the other side of uh, of that uh, of that cup of milk, uh, the half empty scenario, um, Barron's had an article: uh, "Curb your enthusiasm over Friday's solid jobs report. Growth risks are rising." Um, Barron's talking about that the uh, Labor Department last week said that they added 431,000 jobs. Um, that came in just shy of expectations, um, but nevertheless a very strong number. Um, but then going on to comment that there are signs that labor is slowing. Uh, the March survey of small firms showed a sharp drop in hiring plans um, as the employment components uh, in the manufacturing space and the service sector space have weakened in recent months. Um, outplacement firm Challenger Grain Christmas uh, reported a 40% jump in job cuts in March versus February. Um, and then we've got very fast rising prices. Uh, last week, uh, the CEO, uh, Gary Friedman at Restoration Hardware, uh, said that either businesses are going to make a lot less money or they're going to raise their prices. And I don't think anybody really understands how prices are, how high prices are going to go. He went on to say everywhere in restaurants and cars, in everything, and I think it's going to outrun the consumer. Uh, he added that demand for his company's products at Restoration Hardware, which target a more affluent consumer, has recently fallen sharply. Uh, recent data in Friday's jobs report and elsewhere underlined Friedman's concerns. Uh, wage increases, uh, while enough to pressure businesses and keep the heat on the central bank, still aren't, aren't enough for consumers to keep up with consumer price inflation that is running at 7.9%. Real disposable income is way below trend and falling. The savings rate has fallen below the pre-pandemic levels, and uh, consumers themselves expect price increases, which in turn portends higher prices. In fact, consumers believe they will need a 6.5% increase in income to keep up with inflation, and most uh, of those uh, folks do not expect uh, their their, uh, current employment to deliver 6.5% increases. And uh, that is adding to uh, significant uh, worry um, for uh, for American uh, uh, workers and uh, and American consumers who are those workers. With that said, um, Barron said that uh, one sector that uh, certainly will be affected by higher rates and inflation concerns, um, but nevertheless, uh, 
those uh, concerns they feel may be more than reflected in their stock prices. This is a contrarian call. Um, Barron's ran an article saying that home builders are the cheapest stocks around and that it is time to buy. That would seem very counterintuitive um, to what we just talked about with all those uh, concerns taking place. Um, but right now they say, uh, you know, that if you're thinking sort of like Warren Buffett, when the tide, uh, uh, when, when be, be, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy, um, perhaps that applies to, uh, to housing stocks. Uh, housing stocks right now have the lowest PE ratio in the stock market. They're trading around four times 2022 earnings. Um, they are trading near book value. Um, and uh, Barron's uh, suggesting that uh, the companies in the home building industry in general are much more conservatively positioned than they have previously been in the past ahead of a downturn. Uh, many of them um, trading uh, at the uh, at or below book value, and that number they say may uh, significantly underestimate uh, what book value is because uh, many of these companies have older, lower priced land on their balance sheets. Um, so in in uh, many cases, uh, these stocks are not only trading below book value, but are trading below liquidation value. Um, so, so those who are patient and uh, can weather uh, some uh, negative headlines. Uh, maybe some value in uh, in the home builder space. Uh, another sector Barron said to uh, take a look at is biotech stocks. Uh, article saying they've taken a beating, um, and they suggest uh, suggest uh, those uh, you know who are looking uh, for a fast growth area that uh, has not been in favor to take a look at the uh, biotech space. Uh, valuations of small and mid cap biotech firms are extraordinarily low, um, and the ETF, they think, uh, makes the most sense to play the biotech potential rebound is uh, symbol is XBI, X-ray boy Ida. That's the Spider S&P Biotech Index uh, ETF. Um, they suggest not playing the biotech rebound in IBB, Ida boy boy. Um, and that is because uh, IBB is uh, heavily weighted to uh, large pharmaceutical biotech companies, Amgen, Gilead, Regeneron, Vertex, and Moderna. Uh, making up a third of that index, where the Spider S&P uh, Biotech ETF XBI um, has uh, an index that is uh, equally weighted. Um, each company weighs uh, in the neighborhood of a half to one percent, um, and uh, the names in that index uh, much more comprised of uh, the smaller, more risky, uh, but faster-growing uh, biotech firms. Um, so they think that the small and mid-cap biotechs uh, are the uh, place where the uh, greatest opportunity lies, and that is where uh, they suggest uh, taking, uh, taking a uh, stake at this time. Uh, individual company mentioned in Barron's uh, favorably is Micron Technology, symbol MU. Uh, they say the chip stock trades like a commodity. It deserves far better, uh, suggesting that Micron is getting uh, no uh, respect on Wall Street, um, saying that the, the case for DRAM as well as uh, NAND memory chips um, is uh, compelling. Uh, the industry has changed significantly as manufacturing is consolidated into a handful of players, so the likelihood of uh, significant gluts within the market and extreme competition is not uh, as significant as it was in the past. Uh, Micron recently announced uh, that they are projecting forward revenue of $8.7 billion. That exceeded the uh, estimates of $8.1 billion. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the stock sold off. Uh, the CEO of Micron 
um, he laid out a, uh, a a very bullish case um, where he said that while uh, PC demand, which the markets are very worried about, um, is uh, is looking like uh, it is uh, flattening out, um, but what he did say is that that doesn't necessarily mean that the demand for chips in PCs is flattening out, especially memory chips, because uh, purchasers are looking to uh, have greater memory within their PCs. So. Although the PC demand remains flat, the demand for memory is significantly increasing. And uh, Micron and the CEO there, uh, Summit San Sedana, uh, went on to say that the largest opportunity for Micron is in the automotive sector and the shift to electric vehicles. Uh, some electric vehicles already require as much as $750 of memory chips per car. That's about 15 times the memory used in the conventional gas-powered vehicles. Um, he went on to say that the shift to EVs can be an incredibly powerful tailwind for years. He's not the only one who thinks so. Um, on Friday, McKinsey projected that the overall semiconductor industry would reach $1 trillion in sales in 2030, up from $600 billion in 2021. And McKinsey thinks that automotive sector will become 13 to 15% of overall chip sales, up from 8% in 2021. And a good portion of that is going to come from uh, increased memory. So Barron goes on to say, so here's a company with strong growth prospects, a huge mar- emerging market opportunity, and leaning technology. And what does it cost investors? Not very much. Micron shares trade for two times estimated 2023 revenue and about 6.5 times estimated 2023 profits. Uh, meanwhile, the stock is down about uh, 16% uh, year to date. And uh, turn things over to uh, to Brad. Good morning, Brad. Morning, Keith. Good morning, everyone. Just as a little aside, I traveled this weekend also, uh, like Keith did, and I found the uh, airports to be very crowded. I was down in Nashville, Tennessee. It was rocking and fun, and uh, it really feels like we're we're back. Uh, I know that COVID numbers in New York City have upticked a, a little bit uh, this week, but I think the people are just they've had it. Uh, they're going through, and that's definitely a sign of uh, where uh, maybe the economy is going because people want to be out. Uh, so as I was mentioning, I was, leaving on, I was leaving early on Friday for a long weekend, and I start to notice my screens flashing with bids and orders for some of the municipal bonds that I had in my inventory. I had mixed feelings. As a trader, I want to move bonds at every level. Uh, Put on blinders as to where the market is going and just ride the wave of the market for better or worse. Uh, that's what traders do. But as an investor, I was concerned that maybe I was selling the bonds uh, too cheap and that a real turn in the municipal bond market was coming. Uh, no one will disagree that municipals are cheap. The opportunity to buy 15-year tax exempts at better than 3% is one we haven't seen for, for quite a while. In normal times, I would really be pounding the table uh, to look at these bonds. Uh, a few times a year, we do get these great opportunities, uh, buying opportunities in municipals, uh, but this time could be a little different. The caveat is the Fed is in the way and they're being vocal that they want to raise rates. The longer uh, bonds have taken this into account already in the treasury market, uh, but still uh, this overhang uh, concerns people and that's why people aren't diving in head first. Uh, in my opinion, this is still a good entry point for municipals, uh, regardless of the Fed. Uh, municipals, as I've said multiple times, trade in their own universe, mostly based off supply and demand. Uh, I'm not going to call this a blood on the streets muni market, 
but definitely uh, one that has a little slash under the eye. So I, I would be taking a look here. On a final note, uh, the long treasury rates do not want to seem to really budge from any more from these points. Dips seem to be bought. The 10-year is uh, hanging around at 2.37% and the 30-year at 2.44%. And uh, they seem to just kind of keep bouncing off of slightly higher levels than here, uh, which says to me that uh, people are uncomfortable. People want to be in longer-term bonds. Uh, If the the Fed will attempt to invert the yield curve to cool things off, these 15 to 20-year 3% munis will be a good investment, uh, certainly in the near term. And uh, I hope everyone has a great week, and uh, I'll turn it back to Keith. Thanks, Brad.